The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And we do that every week by sharing the stories and advice of those who are rocking it on the other side. Hey, we also have an ongoing creative award show called the Crowbar Awards, which is a new creative challenge and new guest judge every three months. If you win it, you get to come on the show and talk with the guest judge. And hey, we even send you a blue crowbar. There's gold, silver, and bronze as well. It's a great way to break in to the industry. And welcome back to Adjunct, the segment where we try to save you hundreds of dollars by bringing in the best advertising educators and extracting their best advice to your ears. And guess what? It costs zero dollars. So we talk with Kevin Christofferson. Kevin is an associate professor of advertising at Columbia College in Chicago. Columbia is famous for their creative offerings across the world. Specifically, they have an excellent advertising program centered around creativity and preparing students to break in and thrive in advertising. They're located in Chicago, in the heart of it, so they get a lot of students that go into Chicago and across other agencies in the United States, and they do a very good job. I'll be honest with you, after this episode, uh, you might be enticed to transfer or enroll in one of Kevin's classes. He speaks so, with so much knowledge uh, and practical advice with his agency background where he started as a receptionist at Leo Burnett and worked his way up the account track. This episode has so many lessons, but I want to thank Kevin first and foremost. Uh, in this episode, Kevin opens up and shares his experience of going through a somewhat hellish experience in the ad world. He speaks of a time when he was directly victimized for being himself at an agency which ultimately brought him to his perfect role as an educator. But it does get real this episode. I can't wait for you to learn how to handle situations working in toxic environments within advertising. While there is no one-size-fits-all approach to dealing with what we talk about in this episode, um, his story and his outcome can spark your own ideas if you find yourself working in a shitty place. And heck, how to even identify uh, red flags early on and uh, as well as just amazing advice in general. Kevin has one of the best adjunct episodes that I've recorded to date. So I'm excited for you and you're going to want to connect with him. And to do that, we have his LinkedIn in the descriptor and he's always happy to offer career advice. He also has secret resources on our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right. Kevin Christofferson, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How the heck are you doing this morning? I'm doing really well, Gino. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. So welcome. Where are you at? What are you up to? How is life? Give me the rundown. Life is going well. We just are uh, gearing up for our fall semester here at Columbia College Chicago. I've had a little time off this summer, although I'm also the associate chair. So I've been uh, working on some initiatives that we're bringing to our new students. So nice. that's keeping me busy. And I also do, uh, I'm a consultant on the side. Obviously, mm -hmm. all of us at Columbia come from the industry. So whether it be advertising, PR, social, wherever we're at, whatever we're bringing, we all are 
from the industry. 80% of our adjuncts come to class once a week, teach and go back to their ad agency, PR firm, et cetera. Ah, so major- now you um, do you have some PhD folks that are, are running the show at all, or is it predominantly? You know what? Um, so some, in some areas, we do have PhDs. Um, We're talking advertising, most, marketing, though. Spe- let's let's like we'll specialize there. Yeah, in most cases, no. Uh, I have a master of arts. Sure. Um, but I got that after I started teaching at Columbia. Yeah. So on this this segment, adjunct, it's called adjunct, but I've interviewed professors with PhD terminal degrees that have had no industry experience, and then everything between in between from of course people that have actually no masters and they just kind of stumbled into some sort of some sort of academia it seems like you are falling into that category professor of practice lecturer experience based so i'm always a little biased but actually it's from doing this show some of these phd uh professors that i've had on are just incredible i think there's value to both but i'm yeah i I, I mean i've heard you know years ago i started at Northern Illinois University. Teaching? I went there for yeah, or, no, I went there for a year as an undergrad. In DeKalb, yeah. Yeah, I just did not like these big 300 room lectures. I was not you don't get into your major until your junior year there, and I was just bored. And so, ironically, mm-hmm. my sophomore year I was about to go to U of I, and my father at the time had a massive heart attack the day I was supposed to leave. I'm sorry. And that. so he was in the hospital for two weeks, almost died. So I was late for the semester. And then I just decided, well, I was so late. Columbia at the time had a late start date. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to Columbia. I had looked at it previously and I knew what it was about. I knew how great their advertising program was. And that's how I ended up at Columbia as an undergrad. Yeah. And uh, then I kept obviously those networks, which I talked to my students about networking is, you know, really key. Kept in touch with my teachers there. You get into my career in a little bit, but that's how I ended up at Columbia later as an adjunct. Yeah. And so you, when you mentioned uh, Northern, Northern Illinois, that was where you you taught, you're you're hinting at a stint that you taught there. You went to school. I know I was a student there my freshman year in college and I was there for, and I, I, so I could compare large universities with professors that oh, okay. don't Just... necessarily know what they're doing. And I'm not saying they're all like that, obviously. I there some I had just did not, they were just comms professors, never had industry Mass experience. communications, I, we see uh, journalism, they kind of bundle those up. Yep. Um, I think advertising education has gotten more specialized over the years, and I think that's great. Uh, there is an argument that we don't need to get into but I think there's a, a really interesting debate of whether or not people should study advertising. I've heard people in the industry say don't study advertising. I guess, do you want to touch upon that? I think they're hinting at like the old school philosophy. Yeah, of I've like heard the strat too, comms. Like, oh, if you know a lot about a lot, you know, if you're an artist, if you're a philosopher, if you're a history major, you bring all that into the, into the ad agency and you have different ideas. So I see where they're going with that. But I also tell my students now, in order to create new ideas and think of new things for campaigns, we really need to understand what came before yeah. and get involved in other areas and watch different things, watch documentaries on history, right. watch old TV shows. Minor in something interesting too. Like yeah. 
English, if you're a copywriter, like American literature is something that I've fallen in love with late in my academic career. And like, I'm, I'm doing a master's now and now I'm starting to realize like the classics are interesting. If you have a one up on the side, I think I that's agree. really beneficial. I agree. If you're just I, studying I, I, ads and you're just looking at what we're doing in the industry, it will create the work that just kind of remains. So you got to kind of look at culture and all these other factors too. Exactly. So I get there. I get that kind of like that mentality. I do. I, I love the stories when somebody's a doctor, which we don't hear much of, or they, they study biology and they, they can, they spin that narrative, but we can all spin a narrative in, in a way that seems like a good story and, and aid to creating good ads. So, but I want to vouch for studying advertising, especially at a school like Columbia, where it is advanced. And I want to get into that is super, super important. So my, that leads me to a question. I want to know more about what your, your current role. Well, actually, what, where are you from? Cause you, you said you're from, I grew I'm, up in uh, Skokie, Illinois. Where do you go uh, to like the Glenbrooks? I went to Niles West high school. Niles West. Okay. Just, just um, Chicago connection. I'm just curious. Correct. I always like to yeah, know. I grew up there. Uh, yeah. As I said, my, my, most of my undergrad I did at Columbia. My sophomore year at Columbia, I got a job at Leo Burnett as a receptionist. Oh, at nice. the time, Leo Burnett had, you know, 35 different floors, still in the same yeah. building, 35 West build, Wacker. Yeah, that whole building. Yeah, but at the time, you the know, they had a receptionist on every floor. And so what I did as a college student I would work there two days a week and take breaks for all the receptionists. So I'd be, I get a schedule every single day and then I'd be on different floors. I take all their morning breaks and I'd be on floors for lunch breaks and then afternoon breaks. But what was really beneficial about that is I got to know everybody in that building and I would take oh. all my, my work from Columbia. And if I was working on portfolio Show pieces, them this. yeah. And I'd ask them their opinion and I'd get their advice and they got to know me. Heck yeah. And so that was really, really key in how I just landed the, my first job in advertising at Leo Burnett. So that from there, I started doing uh, my, maybe my junior or senior year, I was doing media billing, which I tell my students was the, the worst light job bulb. ever. Worst job That sounds ever. awful. And I was in a little cubicle all day long with uh, invoices, and I'd enter them into a mainframe computer. Is that trafficking? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I don't even, yeah, it was like. I don't want to know what that is. Every single ad that Leo Burnett was running on any uh, TV at the time, syndication, wherever it was, it would be billed, and we'd enter it into a system, and then what, it'd go in a pile cleared or not cleared. It was just so when were you doing this? You were doing this like the late like, 90s, late 90s. So, but 90s. like it, in the context of your academic, uh, I was journey. a junior and senior in my academic career. So, okay, so you, you went from reception. How'd you get the receptionist role? Uh, I had just a, being in Chicago, made a couple growing calls. up. I was a lifeguard in Skokie, and a girlfriend from the pool, mm -hmm. uh, had a friend, a family friend who was in charge of all the receptionists and HR. Okay. And she was working there over the summer. So we, was a receptionist or something. She, uh, she was like a filler like me. So we just took breaks for the receptionist. So we were like, yeah, that's how that happened. So it was a lucky. And I, the first day at Columbia that I had a professor who worked at Columbia years ago and he was telling us about Leo Burnett. I'm sorry, he worked at Leo Burnett years ago. Sure. And so that year, I recall this girl I went 
who I knew worked there as well. So I called her and said, Hey, is there any other positions open? I'd love to get in the door there. Mm -hmm. HR interviewed me, they needed help. And that's how I landed there my sophomore year. And then from there, as I said, I networked, networked, and they had this media billing job. And it's like, well, it's a little more money. It's not going to be as fun, but it gets me into the media department. So what role did you ultimately want? Like, what, um, you know, you knew you didn't yeah. want to do media and you didn't, you knew yeah, you didn't want to be a receptionist. So what were you studying well, and what was the goal? Originally, I wanted to be an art director. I was always interested in art. Loved it. Um, I had a portfolio. Okay, art director. And, you know, I'd go to like, you know, different creative directors at Burnett. Some love the work, some hated it. It just, it's just so subjective. And I also interviewed later on at other ad agencies. And, you know, you hear one opinion from one person. They love this. They hate this. They love this. They hate this. And at the same time, I was in media billing and I was approached to be a media buyer, planner, buyer actually for uh, out of home. Sure. And it was my senior year, end of senior year. So time job. Yeah. So I took that. Yeah. Yeah, I took that, um, worked on that for a while, still in my portfolio. Always drafting, I, always tweaking it on the side. Correct. But the in media at Burnett at the time, it was before it became Starcom, by the way. Yeah. So they just spun off. They were just spinning off. Sure. And uh, it was, I was there 12, 14 hour days. So really crafting my portfolio really took us it, it wasn't really happening just because it was oh so, so that 12 busy. hours was mainly working on media stuff and yes. it wasn't it wasn't the the beauty and the romanticism <laughs> of working late to it was because yeah. you had to get your shit exactly. your work done yeah and then and then you know i i did want to i was always good with meeting with people clients yeah you seem very account you seem like a great account so that's that's where i jumped into so then i became an account executive and then i went to two smaller agencies which were in chicago yeah um one's not there anymore one was in bucktown called heisler gordon and one is called one's on michigan avenue okay and i did that for a while um and i really like that um but you went from media at 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 leo in some way, shape, or form. You did that for a couple, maybe a couple of years, maybe a couple of months, who knows yeah, how long you can take while, that. 12 hour days, I don't know how much I would put put up with that doing something I don't necessarily love. It but, was a lot. So you, you made the switch to a smaller agency in hopes to get maybe an account role or an art director role or just yeah, anything yeah, else. Yeah, I took the account role. Um, just so to I get have, out, I get that. Like yeah, when so you I don't love something. more time, I wanted more time. Yes. And I wanted more experience at in Burnett and media. I was doing one thing over and over again at a large agency. Sometimes you're kind of in a, in a vacuum a little bit. I wasn't seeing the clients at, in my role there. I was sure. maybe I, maybe I'd be invited to a client meeting and I'd sit there and they'd and introduce take notes and, and I wasn't doing much. So I was sure. like, uh, but then after two smaller agencies, there I was, I was in, basically going to meet the client and, doing all handling all the work and making and then sure they realize you're a star and like so then yeah so then you're all you have all you know you might have you know eight to ten clients you're working on so that was exciting for me and i learned a lot and at the same time uh perhaps maybe 99 2000 i started uh someone from columbia contacted me and said hey uh do you want to teach we have a position open one night a week for a class sure 
And, you know, I always love training people at the agency too. Yeah, the so I always like, yep. yeah. So that was always like fun for me. Yeah. I, I think that was really, really what I love to do. And so if I could mirror both. And so I went into the classroom at Columbia for the first time. I was like, I love this. And so it was great. I was still working in an ad agency. I could come once a week down to Columbia. I taught. Students loved it. What and class then, yeah, were you teaching? I think two years into that, um, someone from Columbia asked me if I wanted to join full time. And I was like shocked, but I, I thought it was a good time to make that jump. Why uh, was that? And it was, when was that? Why, why was it a good time to make that jump? Um, like personal reasons, uh, you're getting burnt out or maybe actually, monotony yeah, of the job. Yeah, we talk about that. Actually, it's a great conversation. It's another conversation. So the second agency I worked for seemed pretty conservative. Sure. And uh, I was- Smaller I'm gay. agency. I'm gay. I'm, I wasn't out at that moment in time. And it was harder to come out then. And so I had become friends with a copywriter there and she she and i would go out and apparently they found out i was gay and so i had a great review and then two weeks later my boss came in and said hey i want to talk to you this was one morning and i said well what's going on and she closed the door and she said you know things just aren't working out around here and i was like shocked I was like, what are you talking about? Wait, I just had this great review. And she said, yeah, but, you know, things change. And I'm like, I was still, like, taken back. It was a Monday morning. Um, and I, I haven't talked about this on camera, but it's fine. Hey, no, uh, I appreciate you bringing <laughs> it up. Yeah. Uh, so I was really shocked. And then she said, there are two other partners in the agency. That, and I said, well, what about the other part partners there? I, I'm doing great for them. And she goes, yeah, but I've talked to them and you have a choice. You could either work here for the next month while you find another job, or you could leave today. And I said, I really, can I have some time to think about this? She said, no, I need an answer right now. Wow. I'm like how, uh, how respectful by the way. And so then I said, Holy cow. Not, she didn't bring up my sexuality, obviously, but right. I tied it right back. It's not, it wasn't hard for me. Sure. So then I said, sure, I'll take the month. And yeah. then yeah. So the, the right time I, I was, I had this offer at Columbia, which is ironic. Okay. And so it was like, everything happens there, for a reason. So it was kind of like, okay, uh, you know what? This is a great time to do, try this out. So that's how that happened. Um, no way. Yeah, it was crazy. And I'm it's sorry this to hear is that. 2000, 99, 2000. Things have really, really changed in yeah. 24 years. But still, it's not that long ago. And like, I there's no excuse. Not, like, like, it was so like. That's bullshit. Yeah, we, it was terrible. And there's nothing you can do. I mean. Can we, can we. I'm, there's, you could, in lots we, of states, you could still be fired for being really? LGBTQ. So this is, <laughs> so it's not like. And there was nothing I could do at the time. Do we want to no use this time to call this agency out? Are they still a thing? I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm in PR, what? and I don't. I'm. We could definitely I can, but uh, it, better yet, I you know, two years later, I still had friends at that agency, 
So about two years after that, I walked through that door to see my friends. Yeah, yeah. And I saw the person who fired me. I, I went right up to this person and said, hey, how are you? It's so great seeing you. Yeah. I just want to tell you the best thing you could have done for me is let me go. It was such right. a gift because I'm doing what I love. So thank you. So oh, I don't have to call them nice. out. I think that was like the it best all... thing I could have ever done. I'm not yeah. going to hold on to this anger because yeah. I was angry and I never hold on to anger. You have to like yeah. hold on to anger. You become an angry yeah. person. Well, yeah, so. you can't let it change you. Yeah. No. And they win. Correct. So wow. it all worked out for the best. But I'm like, so sorry, though. I mean, but thing, but that's just outrageous to me that you just got a good review and then things switched up correct. in a matter like of days, if not weeks. Like, that's just yeah. so shocking to me. It and was I, shocking. And, and Kevin, I'm not sure. Like, I, I'm lucky where I work, our leadership, totally, like, that would never happen here, never fly, not that I'm aware of. No. I, but there I might be some agencies. Story. There might be some agencies out there. I don't know. And that do that. And I, I guess, mean, what do you, what's your advice if somebody's in a toxic environment like this and whether or not it's vocalized and as upfront, maybe it's suppressed and maybe they're doing, they're putting you off big, like big client yeah, pitches. So like, in that what do you do? You know, if it's a bigger agency, I'd go to the HR. Yeah. But at a smaller agency, there's three owners. There's nothing I yes. can do. And Kevin, so that, at that point, that, you're that's, something that, that's something that worries me about small agencies. And I don't bring this, I, I actually have never brought this up. I've interviewed some small agency owners and I think there there's a lot of value in small agencies, but the problem is when it has one to three owners that can dictate the culture directly by one person, they can Correct. oversee the work. They can have a lot of say in it. There's that bureaucracy can be safe sometimes and foster creative ideas. When it's one to two people at the top running the show, they can do what they want. And yeah, it's kind of a, it is really, a, it's really, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I also tell my students too, sometimes if you're working for a boss, Say you're, you know, I came from Burnett. I'm a perfectionist. I'm pretty type A. Yeah, a little OCD. <laughs> and so I go above and beyond. I'm really proactive. Nice. And so sometimes it's also a threat, especially at a bigger, at a smaller agency. If your your boss is the owner, sometimes they also feel threatened by you. And that could be another thing you feel. And maybe it's suppressed, as you said, or they're taking you off business. But it's interesting to me. Sometimes if you do too much, you're a threat. If you do too little, you're yes. not enough. So where's that where's yeah. that in between balance? And sometimes it's, you have to learn that, which is yeah. And I told my students this too. So it's an interesting thing to get into a job and try to understand how you fit and where you could add value. Yeah. And how much value it can actually bring. And yeah, I, I think what I what I'm thinking about is like that term, like never outshine the master. I know it's like very like it's bullshit. And I think all of those like politics things, like I hate a world where like you kind of have to like be cognizant of those. But yeah, like it, you don't want to seem like you're overtaking whoever's in charge, like especially on client calls. There are some boundaries that you need to be aware of. That doesn't mean you, you got to know the rules to break the rules of, in, in appropriate ways. But yeah, like. I can see how your proact 
your proactivity i don't know if that's a word um and like your determination your and your passion for this can seem like you're stepping bound over boundaries and and trying to outshine whoever's in charge i don't see i don't i hope i don't ever get in that position and I, yeah it's not a it's not a great position to be in and i always say hire better people hire smarter people yeah they make you look good and they make Yes. all your work better so that's how i am yes but not all people do that i so i want to be i want to be the dumbest person in my friend group i want to be like surrounded by amazing people at work like i should never feel like that i'm bringing other people down i want my people around me to bring me up because they're so great and like that's a healthy environment where it's not competitive right. it's collaborative and that's exactly. hard to get, it's hard to find that so my question now is did, did you see any red flags when you first got there at that agency it was there anything that you would tell your younger self obviously you know now that maybe you wouldn't have gone there but were there any writings on the wall hindsight 2020 i know but what was going on when you yeah first got you know some of the work some of how they were looking at the work i thought it was conservative i had a friend another friend there who was talking about the politics of one of the owners yeah that's, so, a, that's, a, that's a red flag, red flag and yeah, I, yeah. I, I not i don't want to get into the political conversation no but, no, but it's good to then, know and politics then were way different than they are now i i mean it wasn't so the two sides got along more, but still, there was still a lot, especially with the LGBTQ community back mm -hmm. then, one side, and it's still going on now. I've been looking at advertising and inclusivity in advertising campaigns and the backlash that's going on. I've been kind of looking at that. I want to start doing some research on that. So I've been doing some secondary research. So that's still going on, yeah. obviously, in America. So at the time, yeah, that's a red flag, obviously. And then, so I, I could look back at it and say, this probably isn't going to be a long-term best fit, Yeah. but I didn't have any idea that was going to happen. And the problem sometimes, Kevin, is um, people, you know, you should do research, right? You should look into who your boss is going to be and their their background, if there's been right. any articles or, or history, talk with other employees. And sometimes even after you do that research and see red flags, the, the sad truth is with the economy and sometimes the job market, you don't really have a choice. And that's correct. And I, I would like to say you always have a choice. You can do freelance and you do, but just there's, I, I don't want to. But some people it. can't afford to do freelance right. or you're just start out freelancing right. you know you have to pay for insurance and all these right. other expenses. everybody's situations are different and like who Correct. knows like they're, if they're in debt and they're just graduating or they paid for it or they they have loans or medical issues all like and i was you need know, insurance out of college you had student loans i paid for my college on my own so i had terrible. all of that to deal with that's why i kind of want to back it up now like what can we do as aspiring advertisers to put us in a position of, of power and leverage for me it was my podcast um which is great thank you and it, it gives me the networking and it gives me credibility for my specific uh communications area within advertising that's something that i can rely on now where i don't have to stress too much about if i lose my job which probably is inevitable in the industry that's my kind of eventually i'm going to have to find a new job or a new role hopefully not, but that's where I can like, I have peace of mind with this thing that I created this business that 
I can leverage and I can get a new job with. It's a promotion tool for myself. So what are some other tools, I guess, like for those starting out that if they do get in the position they can lean back on or like how you know can what? they build this up? I tell my students, even in my intro to advertising class, which is called Principles of Advertising, I, I within the first two weeks or three weeks, they're already in teams doing uh, mock campaign for Pro Bar Awards, right? So we're taking them through how to, you know, do a situation analysis, come up with a creative strategy, develop, uh, you know, a 360 campaign, fundamentals, yeah. social. And by the time they, that's their first advertising class, that's their first that's entry. Great. But I also say, you know what? You've done this all now. There's lots of small businesses you can go out to that don't know how to do any marketing or advertising. And by the way, you could approach them and help them yes. and then get some work for your own portfolio. And then yes. you're creating work and creating an extra, and maybe you're getting paid, maybe you're not, but hopefully they'll pay you. And then yes, you're, they you should. Some, of course. And then you have some income coming in and you know how to do this and you're mm -hmm. practicing your craft, which is really key. So I, I think those skills that I'm teaching them, I tell them right away, I'm not here to grade your work. I'm not here for your, you know, to give you an A, B, C. I'm here to help you get a job and be successful in advertising. Yes. And so that's my goal for you all. Right. That's how I, that's how I create <sighs> yes. my classes. I freaking love that. Especially if that's the first class, they need to start um, like putting it to work. And it also does not have to be for real clients. I think that for those, especially in art direction and copywriting, yeah, um, building a body of work, a great portfolio starting off can be that leverage point. If you have um, spec campaigns from our Crowbar Awards, shameless plug, yep. or these other award shows, or from your teachers, ask your professors, like, I'm looking for a brief. Can you help me come up with a strategy for something exactly. that I'm – and that's a leverage point. Your portfolio is a leverage point. The better that is, the more you can say F off to these um, conservative agencies that Correct. don't align. You're then, selling your work, and you can go wherever you want. Hopefully. Yes, but then also looking at yourself as a, a campaign or a brand as well is something that's super crucial very early on. And that starts with knowing what you want to do, art director, copywriter, strategist, account manager, researcher. I, I think knowing that early on, and I think that your class, probably that intro class, probably gives them a pretty good line of sight. It's like, okay, I can see myself in one of two areas as Correct. a freshman so, or a sophomore. That is the best like professional advantage you can have is knowing early. Yeah, and, and I think in that second module in that class, we go through all the ad agency positions and they do an exercise and I, I just throw out a brand that needs help right now and they're all on teams and they're it's just, just yes. one exercise and they're all take a different role. Yeah. And, but by the end of that, 15 weeks are they should, they should weeks. have a pretty good they idea. have a really great idea of what they where, where they want to go and i think that's our competitive advantage at columbia i we love it we really differentiate in that way i mean and then you know i've helped some students i have i have friends from high school whose kids are graduating college now and yeah. uh one just came from U of I and she's a great artist and she wants to be an art director. And I looked at her portfolio, but there's no real campaigns. And it's I'm, so hard. So I sat down with her several times. I'm giving her advice, but she almost has to go to portfolio school. Yeah. And I feel like that we, we don't, 
most of our students don't have to do that if they're really focusing on on their education here at Columbia, because we really focus on that from day one. You're gonna walk out of your intro classes with portfolio work. Yes, you might have to revise and revise and revise of it, course. but still. You're gonna you have a starting point, you're gonna have the fundamentals. You're yes. starting a body of work. And by their senior year, I teach a class called Agency. And Agency, I've partnered with 1871. I'm assuming you're aware of Agency. Yeah, yeah, that startup, like it's a really interesting yeah, like, startup. Yeah, so they company. have, about 500 startups. Yeah, it's like an incubator in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2017, I approached them and uh, each oh, semester. Oh, that's genius. So you're helping out now their, their startups. Yeah. You're giving them. So I each love that. semester, they give us like 25 or 30 clients to, to look through. And I yeah. choose four or five, depending on the class size. And then my seniors are working on with real startups in real time, doing real work for them. Yeah. And so all, you know, the video, whatever they need, it's being yeah. produced and it's out there. And that's a really great experience for them because I'm basically the account director and yeah. they are basically four, you know, five teams working on work and all their problems are significantly different. So they yeah. all have different problems we need to solve. So one team is working on one client or do they get yeah. different? Yeah. yeah, it used to. I. It's hard while, for that short period of time where you get have, have like multiple clients, but it's hard when you only have a short amount of time and they're students and they're doing other. Correct. Tasks. And right. it's a three hour. Our classes are three hours once a week too. That's, That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and so they're kind of like workshop classes. We're not lecturing. Right. No. I talk. They do. I talk. They do. Yeah, you're going but over they like. See, they're actually, you know, meeting with the clients either remotely or in person, presenting work. They're they're sending the work to me. I'm reviewing it. They're revising it. You're like, like the just, you're like the the chief account executive. I don't know what correct. the term is, but they they have their mini account executives, right? That are yep. that might be communicating on the side, knowing like, okay, this is their actual direction, and you got the strategist like pointing them, and then you got your creatives. I want to I want to do a little tangent here, if you if you would yep, allow me. Of course. I think that is beautiful. The fact that. Real client work, especially for students, is so beneficial, especially for those that are in accounting strategy. The problem sometimes is if the creative work, as a recruiter at a large agency, and I've done this and I've looked at portfolios, and the problem is sometimes I don't understand the work because I don't know who the small startup is. Now no, that makes sense. That's for mainly I'm looking at um, I'm looking at art directors and copywriters. I think there's for those two roles specifically, there needs to be a healthy balance between the real work that, okay, you made actual tangible results. I know that you can interact with the client. I know you can withstand rounds of feedback, but on the other side of it, also in your portfolio of five campaigns, ideally you have five, I want to see some big creative work for some challenger brands personally. Uh, I agree with you. So and if I you can get a healthy balance of that that spec work and that real work as a creative, which is copyright and art director, yep. then you're going to be in a really, really great spot. I, but, I agree with you. And I think that you guys are doing that there at, at, at Columbia. So I'm not too, too worried. It sounds like you guys got it under control. <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, that's what I love about Columbia. And that's what I love about our program. And that's... I, I, it needs to be publicized a little bit more. We need to sell that a little bit more. Columbia should be doing that a little bit now, more. And I, I think I'm, they're going to start. Now, I, I just want to 
just because I'm curious and something I'm passionate about is the undergraduate education process. I went to University of Illinois. It's a big, large research, a lot of advertising students within it. We had 500 people in our ad club. Yep. Everything was great. However, it's hard to when there's mandated classes and um, like to specialize in creativity. Um, there are some schools that have tracks that have kind of done a pretty good job with portfolio, like programs within it. So like, how does your program work real high level? Like, can you go and specialize in copywriting or art direction? Can you go and specialize in media and account management? That is and a great question. I know it's a big yeah, one. For the, last, for the last 10 years, we had tracks. We had a creative track, a media track, and a strategy track. Sure. Um, however, our last dean wanted to dismantle the tracks sure. and make the education more generalized, which we thought about because in advertising, as you know, it's very, very specific. Yes. And so, and I don't think he really understood the, uh, even though we've described it, we've explained it, we told him what our competitors are doing and how, you know what portfolio tools are doing as a matter of fact that's a, uh, i mean that's a competitor we, it was, yeah. we had a we had to rearrange our curriculum but sure we have a new dean and we're now working on yeah going putting, back putting some concentrations back in place my so advice maybe my they're advice. not called concentrations um but they'll but basically we electives have, that yeah. you can specialize in i'm, I'm sure. assuming that you can tailor the experience it starts off with knowing at that first class okay i'm interested in copywriting even if there's not these distinguished tracks every student should keep in mind what that role is the hardest part for a lot of these people is not knowing until their junior year so that's the goal of this podcast is uh, educate people to know like the different roles early on and like how that in and i will talk with them you'll talk with them i'm yep. sure but then you then you you tailor that uh, whatever that undergraduate major looks like to have those specialties and go out and find it on the side as well because even if we do our best in classes we still need to work on the side so that is right. Um, I, you I, went to U of I, you said. So were you yes. part of the American Advertising Federation? Yeah, yeah. I didn't do the NSAC. I did. Uh, okay. I ran this like specialty club where we had ten clients, and I was the president of that. Oh, that's great. So once again, the I've seen a lot of creatives go through my agency when I was a student, and we weren't producing great creative work, mainly because we had local clients. So that perspective, like I almost tell people, like copywriters, find the best art director, pair up early on, for sure. Get your get your dynamic duo going, maybe a strategist in there, and take on these spec work briefs as well as your your school work. As so that's why we created the Crowbar Awards. The, the spec award show where you get to meet the guest judge. Like I thought that was like smart. what was missing in my education. I think they're developing that, but yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Uh, Cause I taught our, our class that does the NSAC is yeah. called practicums. And I taught that geez, <laughs> for like 12 years prior to teaching agency. So yeah. and we still do it. We still have a, we still do, we still do that. And Columbia yeah. wins regionals yearly and yeah. goes to nationals which is great for such a small program yeah how many people how many ad students do you have generally you know it depends um i i we have under 100 right now which is yeah. not that much but it's so, it used to be it's a so lot strong bigger. and you're in chicago like it used to be a lot lot bigger and we want to well, grow it a little I'm gonna, more i want to help with that so we'll definitely talk Thank on you. the side and i hope this podcast kind of illuminates just like talking with you specifically 
probably sheds light on like your knowledge and probably disseminates to the whole program. Like if there are other people like you, like if every lecturer professor has a similar mindset as you, that's a pretty damn good program. We have a really dynamic faculty and yeah. they are really great and Thomas they're really Kemeny passionate about, about helping our students get jobs and succeed in this industry. Mm -hmm. And that's also what I love about our program in Columbia. I love it. We, this has been a dense, amazing episode, Kevin. So I want to leave it there and I want to make Thank sure you. that people can, can reach out to you and and maybe transfer over to Columbia if they are uh, sure. if they are listening like damn I don't have this or maybe they want to go and get another degree or maybe there's a graduate program that you want to talk with them about on the side I think I'm sure there's opportunities uh, maybe there certificates are. as well something that they can get a little bit of oomph going so yeah, they can I'd break in I love to talk to um yeah, you brought your I students to, to Havas Chicago that's how we met we did a tour yep. like I can I know yeah, that it was awesome. what you do Thank yeah. you. Well, Kevin, how can people reach out to you? LinkedIn? What's your go-to? Um, so LinkedIn is great. Um, if you want to share my Columbia email, you can. Yep. It's kchristofferson at colum.edu. And I will, every, you know, local Chicago people, I know this is like the heart of my audience. Um, I will make sure that they come and meet you and you can help them out. So That'd I really, be terrific. really, you know, I really appreciate that. Heck yeah. I love to help other students. Amazing, amazing episode. Thank you again, Kevin. This has been so, so great. And thanks for opening up and, and being so transparent with us. And, no, um, thank you. I wasn't expecting that, but I think it's yeah. important to hear. Heck yeah. Thank you.